Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Modern Renaissance Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Van Heerden, and this week we'll delve into a topic that often goes against the fast-paced nature of our modern world, having the courage to slow down. We'll be talking about the cost of busyness, the importance of saying no, and the power of slowing down. It seems apparent that speeding through life is ultimately detrimental to our well-being, our relationships, and our joy. So why do we do it? In our pursuit of success, accomplishment, and constant productivity, we often forget the value of taking a step back, of embracing stillness and contemplation. But what if we challenge this paradigm? What if we dared to resist the pressures of a frenetic pace and instead had the courage to slow down? We'll explore these ideas and more in this episode. So take a moment, slow down, and let's get started. The day I wrote this podcast episode was one which, by almost any standard, would be considered slow. My sister was visiting before she left for a long four-month filming trip into the Yukon backcountry, and don't even get me started on how incredible she is. So we sat on the front steps of the house sipping coffee in the sun. After that, we had a long breakfast while talking about life, both its struggles and its opportunities. Then we made cool mint matcha tea and continued our conversation, joined by our youngest sister, who's in the middle of deciding what to do now that she's graduated. It was 1.30pm by the time I got started on work. It was slow. It was leisurely. I got done nothing that I'd planned to get done. And I don't regret it. I'm not sorry by any measure about the fact that I spent a long, leisurely morning with my sisters, doing nothing but chatting in the sun. I should, in the interest of full disclosure, note that it was a Thursday. By many of our modern standards, my morning might be considered wasted. My morning routine didn't happen, my big daily three tasks were set to the side, I didn't make any money, I made no progress towards some of my more tangible goals, and I completely acknowledge that working on my own business through the summer gives me incredible freedom to spend my days as I please. Many of us may not have the opportunity to spend a Thursday how we like. We have jobs and responsibilities and things that need to get done. And that's absolutely important. I'm not suggesting that we take a spontaneous break from our lives when we have other obligations. But I am suggesting that there are some of us who need a reminder to slow down. There are also some of us, including myself some days, who need a reminder to speed up. But you're not who I'm talking to today. Today I'm talking to those of us who are super achievers. I'm talking to the perfectionists. To the entrepreneurs, the business owners, the corporate it girls, the women who are striving to do more and get more done in their lives. I'm talking to those of us who have goals broken up by month, by quarter, year, five year, and by decade. This might be you if you feel like you're constantly going, like you never get to rest or catch your breath. Or this might be you if you feel guilty about sitting down to read a book or spend time with friends or watch a movie simply because you enjoy it. This might be you if you find it hard to disconnect from your work or projects, even when you're at home for the night. It might be you if you feel exhausted or on the edge of burnout, or if you can't remember the last time you did something purely for fun. This might be you if you try to optimize every part of your life, if your morning routine is sacred, or if you're the type of person who listens to productivity podcasts while they're brushing their teeth. Guilty as charged. Chances are, though, you know who you are. 
if this is you, I have a bold new challenge for you. And I know that you're the type of person who loves challenges. Practice the courageous act of slowing down. And I don't say this facetiously, slowing down can actually be terrifying, especially for us perfectionists, especially for us super achievers, because we're afraid that if we slow down, we'll drop a ball or multiple balls, or we'll miss out on an opportunity, or we'll fall behind, or things won't turn out as good as we wanted, or we'll disappoint everyone in our lives and be branded lazy, abject failures. Slowing down is scary. Part of the problem is that we societally glorify busyness. How many of us haven't responded to the question, how are you, with, I'm busy? It has become our new conversation starter, or conversation ender, we might say. The reason for this response is pretty simple. Explicitly or implicitly, we use our busyness as a measurement of personal value. To be busy implies that we are successful and respectable. It has become, in many ways, a modern status symbol. Our societal assumption is that your worth is contingent upon your work. Some of this may be tied to the ubiquity of the Protestant work ethic that was imported into North America by Northern Europeans. Max Weber discusses the Protestant mindset in his The Protestant Ethic and the Spirit of Capitalism, and he attributes the economic success of Western countries to this particular cultural value. Regardless of the validity of his premise, it's not hard to recognize that we live in a culture in which value is often connected to output, particularly fiscally lucrative output. We have become defined by our careers, our salaries, and our productivity. As a result, our society has become enamored with the hustle, with the idea of hustling harder, and, after you've finished a day of hustling, of working on your side hustle. Rampant productivity guilt, spurred by this proliferation of productivity gurus that we see, compels you to squeeze every drop of time and energy from your day. And if you're not, you're doing something wrong. Why have you not optimized every second? Do not misunderstand this as a critique of work. I love work. I believe that work adds meaning to our lives and that it can imbue us with a sense of dignity and deep joy. I consider my ability to work, to work hard, and to work with excellence to be one of the greatest blessings in my life. What I do not endorse, however, is work that is characterized by busyness. Glorifying constant labor is neither beneficial to our lives nor uplifting for our souls. It can cost us our relationships, our health, our mental and spiritual well-being, personal growth, and so much more. And busyness creep can exacerbate the problem. Because the more busyness we allow to infiltrate our lives, the more pressure we will feel to maximize the productivity of our moments, even those moments that should have no time limits. Based on data, we as a culture are working more, sleeping less, and during more stress, taking less time off. We spend more time alone and less time connecting with others. We're more exhausted, more anxious, and less fulfilled. And here's the weird thing. Busyness isn't even an indicator of success. In fact, if we put stock in what's said by our culture's highest achievers, they consider rest and leisure non-negotiable parts of their lives. So what can we do about it? It's easy for me to simply tell you to slow down, to take time for leisure and rest. But actually making a change in your life is going to take way more than that. 
So here are six practical steps you can take to begin moving from tolerating busyness to embracing the power of slowing down. The first step is to consider your why. Whenever it comes to making an important change in our lives, the first thing I always suggest is to start with your why. Why is it important for you to slow down? What value will it add to your life? If you're habitually running through your days, weeks, and months, slowing down can add incredible value to your mental, physical, relational, and spiritual life. When you slow down, you increase the space in your mind for non-busy work, for exploration, creativity, and reflection. You'll experience less stress and anxiety and more peace and clarity. Rest and reflection can help you gain clarity on who you are, what you want, and what your purpose is in life, which are all deeply important things. Slowing down is also necessary to enter into a place of spiritual rest, where your soul is at peace. It allows you to trust that things will work out even when they're out of your hands. By slowing down, you'll open up time for gratitude, prayer, and quiet presence. Furthermore, by slowing down, you'll have more time to dedicate to the people you value most in your life and to nurture your deepest relationships. Because we all know that the time you spend with your family, friends, or partner when you're distracted and ready to jump into the next thing is not capable of fostering deep connection. When you slow down, you'll have freedom to explore new interests or to return to old hobbies. Slowing down allows you to return to the things you love doing for the simple reason that you love doing them. No perfectionism, no monetization, no hustle. Simply joy in doing what you love. And by slowing down, you'll discover that the self-development you may have been fiercely striving towards actually needed some space to germinate. We grow in the spaces and in the silences. When we don't take the time to slow down, we fail to give ourselves the space to grow and explore, to learn and discover. Slowing down allows us to expand ourselves, mentally, emotionally, physically, not because we have to, but because we want to. So consider your why. Perhaps you want one of these things. Perhaps you want all of them. That's okay. Just be clear with yourself about exactly why slowing down is important and necessary for you. As you consider your why, also ask yourself, what is being busy all the time costing me? Is it a price I'm willing to pay? Because busyness comes at a cost. And sometimes it's helpful to explicitly acknowledge what that cost is and to ask ourselves, is it worth it? If the answer is no, that may be a sign that it's time to slow down and reassess your values. This brings us to the second step, which ties closely into the first, and that is to evaluate your current life. Look at the ways that you currently spend your days and your weeks. Do you feel as though you're constantly in a rush? Or as if the things that are truly important to you are the things that most often get overlooked? Are you currently growing mentally, physically, spiritually, relationally, and intellectually? What is suffering as a result of the busyness you've allowed to creep into your life? Then consider where you can begin to push back against busyness to create more rest in your life and be honest with yourself. And be merciless with your schedule. It may be helpful to list everything you're trying to do on a sheet of paper and then ask of each thing, is this commitment a duty or choice? Duties would be those non-negotiables, like taking care of kids or ailing parents or earning an income. Choices, by contrast, are those things that you've willingly added to your life. Dinner parties, side hustles, personal projects, growing your social media following, taking that dance class. Once you've divided your list into duties and choices, look at your duties and ask yourself, is there any way I could make this easier? 
Perfectionists in particular, and I'm speaking as a completely unapologetic perfectionist, we are prone to doing everything and doing it all ourselves, if at all possible, because we don't believe that anyone else can do it quite as well. So if you are a perfectionist, or even if you're not, consider whether you're unnecessarily extending yourself when it comes to your duties. Then see how you can simplify them. After that, take a look at the things you've chosen to incorporate into your life. Ask, is this adding joy to my life? Is it growing me, or is it simply taking up space? Keep what grows you and adds joy, but cut whatever is simply taking up space. You may love taking those dance classes, but your soul dies a little whenever you have to host or attend a dinner party. So stop attending dinner parties. Or you may love to paint, but feel pressured to turn your art into an Etsy side hustle. Can you let go of the need to monetize what you do for pleasure? Use this opportunity, this evaluation, to consider, honestly, what time fillers you can remove from your life, and then practice the courage of removing them. And now that you've begun creating time to slow down by removing what's unnecessary from your life, you must begin to guard your time more jealously. That brings us to number three. Embrace the power of no. Whether you're a perfectionist or a people pleaser, no can be one of the hardest things to say. We naturally want to help people. We feel good when we can give someone a boost. We like the sense of community that comes from saying yes to favors and requests. Or we want to grow and excel by taking on new opportunities and new projects. But there's such a thing as saying yes too often, and if left unchecked, it can lead to that chaotic busyness that cuts into the most important parts of your life. Because remember, saying yes to one thing is saying no to others. Sometimes it's obvious what you're saying no to. When you say yes to a new project, you're often saying no to a different project. But you may be saying no to other things unintentionally. Because you have less free time, for example, you may be saying no to exercising, to spending time with family, or to your dream vacation. You have the power to transform your life by warding off unwanted encroachments of your time. No, I can't do that for you. No, I'm unable to do that favor for you. No, I can't schedule more hours this week. No, I can't make it. No. Here are a few things you can do to begin practicing saying no to the things you don't really want in your life. First, don't explain yourself. Don't be afraid to give a no without an explanation. You are not obligated to tell everyone your reasons for not doing something. You are not required to suffer from a guilt complex for refusing to do someone a favor. Simply say, no, I can't do that for you. And leave it at that. Second, say no immediately. Don't put yourself through the awkward social dance of, well, maybe I'd have to look at my schedule and see, or worse. Don't put everyone in the uncomfortable position of saying yes and then bailing on your commitment afterwards. It's just poor behavior. And if you wouldn't tolerate it in a child, you shouldn't tolerate it in yourself. Third, practicing no to small things, volunteer requests, personal favors, dinner invitations, before moving on to bigger things such as work projects, speaking engagements, or larger family duties. Starting small will enable you to gain confidence in the art of saying no in a less daunting context before you move on to more daunting contexts. And finally, define the things that you are saying yes to in advance and make them non-negotiable. 
decide ahead of time that everything that would impede on your yeses will receive an automatic no. If you choose to say yes to your family, your health, and your leisure time in advance, you may decide to say no to an increased workload or taking on a new personal project. Or, by contrast, if you've decided to say yes to growing your career, you may need to say no to travel invitations or taking on new hobbies at this time. Decide on your yes, and your no's will easily fall into place. Moving on to step number four of embracing the power of slowing down. Practice slowing down in the margins. At this point, you've established your why, you've evaluated what you can remove from your current schedule, and you've begun to implement the art of saying no to encroachments on your time. Now comes the real work, practice. In certain stages of life, it can be hard to find more time even when you're saying no, and even after you've removed what is extraneous from your life. You may be a student in the final year of university, or maybe you're a young lawyer striving to make partner, or perhaps you're a mom with three energetic kids who are growing up fast. Whatever your life circumstances, sometimes the busyness in life is almost relentless. During these times, you must practice slowing down in the margins. What do I mean by that? I mean you must take advantage of those rare, and perhaps short, times, moments even, that you don't have to rush. Early mornings, over lunch, during your commute, after dinner, in the evenings before bed. But the twin keys here are intentionality and jealousy. You must intentionally choose a time that will be yours to step out of the busyness and embrace a moment of rest. And then you must jealously guard it. Not selfishly, but jealously. Use these moments to begin to enter into the habit of slowing down. As your life evolves and shifts, you may find things slowing down naturally, and when they do, it's important that you've already established the habit of embracing the power of slow. So for now, practice slowing down in the margins. The fifth step is to seek balance amidst imbalance. Life is not the teeter-totter we imagine, where it's possible to achieve perfect balance, and this will result in a perpetual, blissful existence. Perfect balance doesn't exist. Life is, by nature, unbalanced. The seasons, I think, provide a better metaphor for life, because the seasons, though imbalanced, provide balance throughout the year. I am from southern Alberta, Canada, for anyone who's not familiar with it, where the temperatures drop to negative 40 degrees Celsius, in the winter, and to climb up to plus 40 in the summer. So that is a huge range. We have seasons of blizzards, of hurricane-level winds, of near droughts, of torrential thunderstorms and hail. If you just look at each season on its own, you'd be crazy to suggest that it is a balanced season. And yet, the summer balances out the frigid winter, cool harvests balance out the sweltering summer, In so many ways, life is like this. Some phases will feel like winter, a time to slow down, hunker down, and endure the cold. Others may feel like spring, a time of new growth, new opportunities, and new horizons. Some seasons are for hibernation, and some are for harvest. The key is to embrace the balance of the imbalance. There will be times that you are inescapably busy and times when you wonder what's coming next. There are times to enjoy the squeeze of life and times to enjoy its fruits. Nature doesn't bloom all year. 
It has a fertile and a fallow season, a season of growth and a season of rest, a season of renewal and a season of harvest. As Madeline Dorr writes in her book, I Didn't Do the Thing Today, in our creative practice, our relationships, our calendars, and our energy, we can borrow this metaphor of the seasons and apply it to a day, a period of time, or follow the seasons themselves. We can make winter a time for retreat, spring for sowing seeds and finding inspiration, summer for growth and autumn for harvest, before we allow for the leaves to fall once more and find rest. Even if we're not creative practitioners, we can look at our days through the lens of creativity and take the long view. It's the rhythm of the seasons, years and decades, that teaches us about how we adapt and change and settle into ourselves over time. Recognizing when to absorb and when to squeeze means we can capitalize on both the momentum and fulfillment that action can bring, as well as the reflection that space can afford us. And in the same way, we should seek balance, balance in our lives, not all at once, but in seasons, and strive to thrive through both busyness and rest, through those times of productivity and maybe crazy productivity, as well as those times of slowing down, recognizing that neither is valuable or sustainable without the other. So try to embrace and seek balance amidst imbalance in your life and to lean into this metaphor of seasons. Finally, the sixth step to begin learning how to slow down is to be brave enough to face discomfort head on. Slowing down is a practice that we must cultivate. It may feel uncomfortable at first. We're conditioned to the fast pace of society. We're accustomed to measuring our value by our output. We're accustomed to defining success by activity. But we shouldn't be. And part of the courage in slowing down is being brave enough to confront this discomfort with thought and action. In our thoughts, by continually reframing our perspective, when culture creep tries to demand we divine our value by its standards. And in our actions, by gradually integrating moments of slowness into our lives. By integrating those moments in the margins. By embracing those balanced imbalances of the seasons. By practicing our thoughts and our actions and curating the habit of courageously slowing down, we can discover a greater sense of peace, fulfillment, and connection. And it's in these moments that we truly come alive and experience the beautiful balanced imbalances of a life well-lived slowly. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Modern Renaissance Podcast. I hope you've been inspired and delighted by our discussion today. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please consider subscribing, sharing the podcast with friends or family members whom you think would enjoy it, and leaving a rating or a review. To stay up to date with the Modern Renaissance and access more content, head over to the website modernrenaissance.ca. Once again, thank you for listening, and I look forward to joining you for our next episode.